It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. <laughs> and we're live. And what's funny is I needed a screenshot because I was going to tweet something out later today, uh, a little uh, where to find the podcast, and I wanted Ryan to smile at the start of this thing, and that was our clunkily beginning. But this is Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, and this is a big one, actually, because we uh, are not going to be seeing as much of practice beginning tomorrow. This was the last official training camp practice Tomorrow will be uh, kind of regular season rules where we get to go at the beginning where stretch is happening, et cetera, et cetera. So this is the last day we get to dive into uh, my observations uh, from practice watching 11 on 11. I am Matt Perino. He is Ryan Talbot. This is the live edition of Shout, a Buffalo football podcast. Please find us on all your audio platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google, subscribe, rate, and review. We really appreciate it. Ryan, though, we got to get into this thing. I know you read my uh, my observations. You tweeted them out a minute ago. What was uh, what was your big takeaway uh, from reading them? Well, it's once again Gabe Davis, and, and I'm going to lead this into a question for you here in a minute. Gabriel Davis continues to have an outstanding camp. He, he seems to be making plays daily, making some great grabs, doing it against some of the, the best corners on this team. So considering what the Bills have in Stefan Diggs and John Brown and Cole Beasley, what are realistic expectations for Gabriel Davis in his rookie year? I mean, that's kind of where we have to shift the conversation now, right? I mean, you're, you're I wrote in there like, you know, there's been camp darlings. I mean, Duke Williams is a guy that even before camp started last year, I thought the hype train was rolling on him. You know, people were excited about what he potentially could bring to the offense and you know, I think that the biggest difference with Gabe is from the beginning, he has been a playmaker. He suffered that injury. I believe it was on that Monday that camp started. We were out on Tuesday and he was he mispracticed off day Wednesday and then he was back Thursday. And since then, now what has it been? Ten days? I feel like every time we get a chance to see him out in the practice field, he's out there making plays. It was a touchdown today against Tradavius White. Short uh, uh, out out pattern. Uh, I want to say probably like ten, uh, eight to ten yard touchdown. And you know, I think he's earning the respect of guys around him, especially guys like Trey White, who has gotten a chance now the last two times out of practice to get a good look at him because Stephon Diggs Intrigue. hasn't been practicing. I so um, I think that the thing with with Gabriel Davis is you want to temper your expectations a little bit, only because. You know, he has, he's joining an offense with so many weapons. And so, how do you spread the ball around to Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, John Brown, a, a running back tandem like Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, where expectations are high, and still get Dave Gabe, or Gabriel Davis looks? I think it's possible. Uh, I think that he's going to force their hand. Brian Dable said on Friday in our press conference with him that. Uh, as a lot of these young guys make plays and, and, and make the most of their opportunities, the coaching staff is going to give them 
more opportunities. And so that kind of gives you a sneak peek. Like maybe this could be a situation where Gabriel Davis is a bigger part of things than an early, uh, earlier anticipated. And the other interesting thing to ponder, and I know we're just getting to the start of this season, but John Brown, if you move on from him next year, it's almost a $9 million cap savings. I think it's like $8 million on a $9 million uh, last year of his deal. Gabriel Davis is the real deal and a guy that can be that number two wide receiver in a year where, you know, the Bills are going to start to really looking around at this salary cap and, and where they can make savings to make moves to re-sign players. That could be a real consideration. And listen, I said it, uh, I did a podcast today. Shout out to the Red, White, and uh uh, Buffalo Blues uh, podcast, the UK edition. They're they're good guys, and I told them if John Brown and Stephon Diggs are an elite wide receiver duo in 2020, I don't anticipate them being eager to move on because it's all about Josh Allen. It's all about this offense. But that we're seeing this this early from Gabriel Davis coming off of a spring and early summer where they've had no chance to really run routes. I mean, the only chance that he's gotten has been with Matt Barkley out in California, a bit with Josh Allen as well, and then in those three days in Miami. So for him to come in NFL ready, it seems, right now, I mean, that's that's huge for not only this offense, but for Davis, fourth-round draft pick. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, he became a very fast fan favorite because as soon as he was drafted by the Bills, the first thing he did was go out and start running routes and catching passes. Uh, and that film made its way to social media shortly thereafter, and, and fans are kind of eating that up. So we just talked about one rookie that had a, a stellar camp and a really stellar day. You mentioned a rookie, though, Buffalo's first pick in this draft that kind of had some struggles in AJ Epinesa. Uh, so what are we seeing from AJ? And I like what you mentioned in there too, about how his play might dictate what they do with some other defensive linemen, but I'll let you get into that. Yeah. And I, first of all, don't want to sit here and say, like, I don't want to put up alarm bells, you know, on AJ Epinesa. Here's an ex example of a guy that I think is just finding it maybe a little bit more difficult early on without those misreps that were lost in OTAs and rookie minicamp and and so on and so forth. I mean, the talent's there. We saw the highlight earlier in camp when when he when he bulldozed uh, Brian Winters, albeit probably a little bit of a trip on that play. But I think that what I've watched over the course of the last few days, where especially today, having a couple conversations with guys in the sideline or uh, behind the end zone there. You know, we were, I zeroed in on AJ a little bit and watched a few of his reps and the teamwork and a cup. And he was, you know, I think three or four straight plays where I watched, he was going up against Ryan Bates and he just could not find a winning recipe there. He tried a spin move. He tried a bull rush. He, he tried a, 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 a speed rush and he just didn't, he couldn't find the, the right mix to land. And I think that, listen, as much of a comment on AJ Epinesa as that is, it's also a pretty uh, significant comment on Ryan Bates, who I think is having an outstanding training camp and has proven to be one of the most versatile, important depth pieces on this offensive line. What a fine. I mean, trust me, Brandon Bean, rightfully so, gets a lot of the credit for some of the moves he's made, gone out and gotten a guy like Stefan Diggs and, you know, uh, drafted, uh, you know, who you name them, Tremaine Edmonds, Ed Oliver. There's been a lot of really – Josh Allen. But go, little moves like this, going out and finding a guy that you know wasn't in the plans in Philadelphia, they were looking to move him. You bring him in here, 
and he's been nothing but great. And I think the way that he's played against Epinesa uh, in camp the last few days has been encouraging. And I think it just shows that he's got some some runway, you know, to to kind of w- get to where he wants to be. And that's okay. That's that's good. I mean, you want there to be kind of these light switches going off. I thought that's a big reason why Ed Oliver lost his job last year was because, you know, it was just a lot. And he got a mini camp and he got an OTAs. And it was still a lot to kind of adjust to the NFL speed. So I don't think that that's a problem, but I think that it could come into play when you're talking about moving on from Trent Murphy. We've talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast with multiple guests who come at it with different varying uh, schools of thought on the subject. If you're going to move on from Trent Murphy, you really have to be confident in the guys that you're going to be replacing him with. Daryl Johnson had a nice day today. Mike Love had a nice day uh, a few days ago. Do both of them enter the mix? Do one of them enter the mix? Are you confident enough you know, in replacing Trent Murphy's? Now, Mario Addison, I think, is going to take a big chunk of those plays if you do move on from Trent uh, Murphy. I keep wanting to say Trent Edwards. I don't know why. It's weird. Throwback day, I guess. <laughs> um, but I think that they have enough. But are they confident enough in some of these younger pieces to make the move? We'll, we'll We'll see because it, it financially speaking, it does make a ton of sense. Oh, without a doubt. But, you know, if they cut him, I think money will be a, a major factor, whether they say it or not, uh, because his play did did show up last at the end of last year in terms of the sacks. He was a constant uh, player in terms of getting that quarterback pressure. He was good again, uh, in terms of stopping the run, all that. So it, it's going to be one of the most interesting decisions that this team is going to have to make on this year's roster. Looking in the comments, Matt, a lot of comments on Josh Allen. Josh Allen did not have the best day today. Uh, but the one question from Parker says, did Josh Allen do that bad? So m- maybe it's compared to what you've seen earlier in this camp where he's looked maybe pretty good. Was it just a bad day or or I guess I'll let you take it from here in terms of what you saw from him today. Yeah, I think that when you go for over 300 yards and over 70% passing on Thursday, and then you fast forward to Sunday, and it's just not clicking the same way. Some errant passes, one could have been intercepted by Trey White, and then he tips one uh, a, a little while later that is intercepted by Levi Wallace. You're just sitting there scratching your head like, man, it, it, this just does not look like the same uh, level of sharpness that we saw on Thursday. Now, one interesting thing that I thought, that Josh said very introspective a, a, a while back was, listen, it's a day-to-day thing, especially without uh, the spring and the early summer to kind of work out some kinks. Some days the ball feels great coming out of his hands. Some days it doesn't. I'm wondering if today was one of those days where he just didn't really have it. Uh, there was one play that he had to call that I thought was really nice. He had a couple nice balls in, in, in some of the early work. But overall, I just thought, you know, a lot of uh, missed throws, uh, one guy that continues to struggle now back, Robert Foster. It, every time that he's targeted, it doesn't end with a reception. And, you know, it's tough to always put it on him. But, you know, at some point when when other guys are making plays and you're not, it, it, that's just the way that it goes. And and so I think Robert Foster, you know, I'm going to put my final 53-man roster projection out tomorrow, and he's not going to be even close to being on it because he just has not made enough plays. Uh, one play today, Allen went deep to him. And he, he threw it long, but I just thought that a Foster kind of gave up on it a little bit and B, you know, it just wasn't the kind of um, urgency that you want to see out of a guy that's fighting for his job. So in terms of Allen, 
not a great day, but I think that, you know, one turnover and facing a really active defensive line, and we can get into this a little bit here. That's a, a big piece of this. This Bill's defensive line, and I saw one Twitter user, I, I quote tweeted him and said, I, I really agreed with his um, uh, assertion that um, seeing all these reports out of New York and the, the offensive line struggles that the Jets are going through in front of Sam Darnold, this could be a massive day for this Bill's defensive line in two weeks. And they are just out here performing on a daily basis. They've looked good over and over again, day after day. And, you know, you talk about, you know, some of the first level guys that, you know, are, ex you're expected to do well, Jerry Hughes, Harrison Phillips, Quentin Jefferson, Mario Addison, Trent Murphy, they've all looked really good consistently, but then that second level, especially in the interior, Vincent Taylor today and, um, Tanzel smart were continue to be outstanding. I mean, Vincent Taylor is making a real run at this roster. I, I he's going to be on my 53 man roster tomorrow. Like I think he's going to make it. I think the bills are going to be forced to keep nine defensive linemen because of how well Vincent Taylor is playing. I don't think that, you know, he can sneak him on your practice squad and he offers the kind of depth, especially early on where, you know, you're still kind of going to have to ask the question, how much can we get from Harrison Phillips early on? He's been playing a ton, um, you know, in terms of, you know, I don't want to give away too much. I don't, I don't think we're allowed to say like how much guys have been playing or where they've been playing, but you know, he's been out there, you know, consistently. And so, you know, so far so good on that. But once you get into the games, how does he hold up? So we'll have to see, um, where that kind of plays out, but where this defensive line is at right now, it's, it, it signals really good things for this bill's defense. You know, one really cool thing about Vincent Taylor is he put out this piece. I want to say it was uh, it was kind of telling his backstory. And it was before Star Lapula opted out, and he said, "This Bills defensive line is loaded, but I'm going to find my way. I'm going to find a way to make this roster." And by all accounts, he's had a very nice camp, and he's put his name on the map to do that. Uh, jumping over to Tanzel Smart, probably isn't going to get enough time here to to show that he's done enough to make this roster. But man. You said how great of a scrimmage he had, how well he did today. This is one of those players that the, the Bills at least may have seen enough from to say, hey, listen, if he clears waivers, this guy's uh, going to be on our practice squad. We're going to go full bore to, to get him there. So it, it's nice, too, that they've been able to find someone this late in the process that can help in that regard. Uh, some some comments here from the, the people in the, the commentary about our defensive line. Uh, going into week one, are we good enough right now? This is overall, not just defensive line, but are we good enough right now to defeat the New York Jets in week one? And then Elliot said, if we don't destroy the Jets in week one and have Barkley throwing in the fourth quarter, then I'll be upset. Uh, so, so you and I have already touched upon this. I think we're both kind of in the same place here in week one. We're both expecting, based on what we've seen from the Jets, based on what you've seen from the Bills and what we've talked about, we're, we're both expecting a, a Bills... I don't want to use the word blowout, but I think that they can handle the Jets by double digits. Is, is that fair in your estimation? It's fair, and I almost feel like you know it stinks right now from a Bills perspective for fans and players because they've improved the roster so much. The Jets continue to be such a train wreck that the expectations just are forced to be ratcheted up through the roof. And I almost feel like anything that happens has the potential to be a letdown. Uh, but with that said... I like all the matchups. I like I like uh, what the offense has pending. Stephon Diggs being okay in terms of what's going on with his back right now. 
I've seen a lot of comments on social media and in the comments here about, you know, she'll be, be worried about Stefan Diggs is back. Anytime you're talking about a back and a skill position player, I would imagine you'd, you, the alarm bells go off, but you know, I think it might be more of something that, you know, and I've not heard this from anything, but just the way that he's moving around, he seems real jovial. I'm wondering if it's just something like, okay, we're going, why take the chance of making this any worse than it might, than it might be type of thing. Um, now before we continue, because this is going to be abbreviated, we were 15 minutes in and I, I can only go for about 2025. Got the little guy, the little guy finished the season yesterday. Um, little league and we're going down to take a team picture because they were the blue Jays and all the blue Jays signs down at the stadium, uh, here in, uh, in, in downtown Buffalo. So we're taking advantage of it and I gotta get going, but Jake Fromm update today. I thought there was a mixture of things from Jake Fromm today. I saw some, some real good stuff for the first time. He made a really nice throw on a play action pass. He made a really bad decision in traffic, uh, was in, intercepted by Dean Marlowe. And, but I will say like, you know, as the as Matt Barkley really struggled, I thought on Thursday uh, with the extended work that he got against the second team defense, uh, it might have opened the door a little bit for Jake Fromm today to come in here and maybe put some good plays together, which I thought that he did. There's still some, you know, and it's going to be like, I just don't know how the expectations for, can be anything else for Fromm other than there's going to be some anticipatory issues. There's going to be some delays in how he's reading the defense. But I thought, you know, in terms of what you want to see out of him, he made some nice plays today, which is a good thing. I think we should mention that because I think a lot of it's been negative so far. But there all there have also been some plays where he missed. And again, I feel like uh, Matt Barkley and, and Jake Fromm, to a lesser degree, they probably have seen enough of Tanzel Smart to last them a lifetime because he has been so active on the interior of that uh, defensive line. But he's done a really good job against uh uh you know a, a couple different guys you know Brian Winters today I think it was that struggled with both uh a matchup against Vincent Taylor and a matchup against Tanzel Smart so that's that's good news yeah without a doubt and that kind of leads us to that last question or one of our last questions since you do have to get going there's been a few comments asking about the offensive line you just mentioned some struggles there for Winters but how is the offensive line looking and holding up in your opinion as we get closer and closer to week one and, and a Greg Williams defense that'll probably throw the kitchen sink at the bills. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how this thing go, plays out. Uh, you know, if you really do your research on social media, like, you know, the bills photos that they release, some of the videos that they've put out um, even sometimes, you know, some other things that you can look around at, you could probably piece together what's going on in the offensive line. You know, the left side of it is about what we'd expected. I mean, those were entrenched starters when we went in the season. Dion, uh, Quentin Spain, who was out today dealing with a, a foot issue. And I'm wondering if that's, you know, a combination of maybe some foot pain and a vet day because he had some of that in training camp last year early on in practice. Uh, so I'm not sure that that'd be too concerning, but he was out today. And then Mitch Morris at center. Those are kind of like, you know, stable options. Then it's just about who's going to land at that right guard spot and what are they going to do at tackle depending on what they do at that right guard spot. So um, we'll see. I mean, I think that they've had their moments. I thought that they, you know, they, they played pretty well on Thursday. And I think that was a big reason why Josh was so good. Um, Winters has been, I hate to use such like 
definitive words, but I've just, I've been unimpressed with Brian winter so far. I mean, this is a guy that comes in here with a lot of um, experience and, you know, I, I just think that so far in some of the individual battles he's had with some of these defensive linemen, and in some cases, guys that, you know, most fans would probably have lower on the uh, the totem pole in terms of the depth chart if they were putting one together just based off of, you know, what they've done in the league or lack thereof. He just hasn't, he just hasn't made enough plays, I don't think. Uh, he still offers a lot of experience in, in that veteran presence, so we'll see where that goes. And you know the Bills, the way that, Sean McDermott has done this thing. He's kept 10 offensive linemen for a while here. I mean, he's kept it all throughout the season last year. So it'll be interesting to watch how long is John Feliciano going to be out? Can they bring him in on their active roster? Do they want to start him on the pup list, give him six weeks to recover? All these things will determine kind of what they do with some of these uh, end of the roster battles. No doubt. Let's Before we let you go, one last thing, Matt. Since you have your 53-man roster coming out tomorrow, and this was like the last day of camp, who is one player that wasn't on your radar at the start of a camp that you think can make the roster now? And who's one player that you thought was going to make the roster that you're not as sure of anymore? Right. Um, I'll probably go Reggie Gilliam as the guy that, you know, I probably was given the, the, the edge to DeMarco. But just the fact that we've had all of this time now to um, – really watch Reggie work. I mean, he's made a play every few days and, you know, whether it be a catch or whether it be a big block, I mentioned last, that, that he opened up a nice hole for Zach Moss the other day. Um, those are huge plays. Those are huge moments. And I feel like with a neck issue with Pat DeMarco I, I, that continues to keep him sidelined with no really anticipated return date. And they may just say, Hey, listen, we know what we got in Patrick DeMarco. We can shelve him for the training camp, bring him in right before the season. And maybe that is the plan, but I really think that he's in play. I think Reggie Gilliam is a live play as we look to, you know, this 53 man roster in terms of a guy that I thought, um, you know, was somebody that was going to make the roster that has, kind of underperformed. I think Winters is that guy. You know what I mean? I thought, you know, remember we went into this thing and I and I said, is Winters the, the start? The, this, is it his job to lose? And I I was kind of on the fence about it, but I think I, I kind of agree with a few people that said, yeah, I think it's Winters, you know, so far through camp, that's that's been anything but the case. And I think that there's guys that are out playing him. I think that you know, there's a lot of continuity with guys that have already been here on, you know, in the past. I think Daryl Williams has been somebody that's come in here and he's a real factor. I can't tell you where, but he's a real factor in maybe multiple spots because as we saw last year, left guard, left tackle, right guard, right tackle. He played them all last year. So I'll leave it there. I think those are the two guys that uh, I would put in that uh, spot. Ryan, thank you so much. I'm, I'm sorry. I would love to get into more of this. Maybe we'll come back tomorrow with a 53 man roster uh, pod uh, to, and we also got to put out our pod with Bruce exclusive, Bruce Nolan from Buffalo rumblings. We, we went uh deep dive on Josh Allen, the quarterback position and the narratives that are out there. And you know, what defines a franchise quarterback? I think that'll be a fun listen for you guys. Look for that. Find shout a Buffalo football podcast, Spotify, Apple, Google, uh, this one will be audio only. So you want to find the audio versions, subscribe, rate and review. It helps us out. We will be back hopefully tomorrow, if not tomorrow, sometime this week. Uh, we have a great Wednesday show. I don't even know if I told you yet, Ryan. Tyler Dunn, Love the it. man, is coming on to talk all things NFL. It is going to be a great time. I cannot 
I don't know if we're going to be able to keep it under an hour with Tyler. Cause once we get him on the show, we can really dive into this division. Uh, maybe even look at some, you know, AFC storylines, talk about some NFC storylines as well. It'll be a fun show. Thank you as always for watching and we will see you very soon. Take care guys.